Uh, so my wife has just sat down in the office next to me and is going to print some coloring pages for the children because it's a snow day here. So the printer that's right under my desk is about to make a whole lot of noise. <laughs> yeah. And as much as I've tried to wave her off, she's gone, no, I need to, I need, they have to color. So coloring stops for no one. Well, it, it's good. I mean, it's good the sacrifice you've made there. To make this recording, I've turned my heating off because I now am in the attic with the boiler. So, wow. so I've turned my heating off for, for the duration of the podcast. That's pretty good. So, oh my God, the printer just kicked on. I think I think mainly someone needs to turn their phone Is off. Is this it? Is it just this one? And uh, someone else needs to turn their printer off. Three page, Jesus. <laughs> oh my God, the printer noise is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to Random But Memorable uh, for this day, February 2nd, Groundhog's Day here in the U.S. My name is Rue. Joining me today, as always, is Matt. And we have a new host of the podcast that I'd like to introduce today, Kat. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Would you like to tell people a little bit about what you do at 1Password and, and why you're on the show? Yes, I would. Hi, everyone. I'm Kat. And I am the partnerships lead at 1Password. This is the second time I've been on Random But Memorable, but the first time that I've been on it with Rue, so we can see just how sordid things can get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good to have you. I'm excited to have you on the show today. How about we drop into some Watchtower Weekly, where we cover this week's security news from a safety point of view. Watchtower, of course, is our product in 1Password that helps keep you safe online, lets you know if you've been breached or you have weak passwords or duplicated passwords and stuff like that. But we've rebranded it for the purpose of the podcast. Uh, Matt, why don't you take it away? Sure. So the first one is WhatsApp to delay new privacy policy admit mass confusion around Facebook data sharing. So WhatsApp have recently announced a three-month delay of a new privacy policy originally slated to go into effect in February 8th. Who keeps track of when WhatsApp wants to change their privacy policy? So, I mean, thankfully someone, but... I don't know. God, that's going to be dull. Well, they sent like a notification to every customer. Like it came up on your screen if you're a WhatsApp oh, user. wow. It came up like when you opened WhatsApp and it was like, we're changing everything. Um, and it was quite dramatic, yeah. Oh my God. Well, that explains it then. I'm on WhatsApp, but only because my street have like a group WhatsApp, which I've, I've never had before. It's mainly people trying to get rid of stuff. Like, you know, I've got an extra set of biscuits. Does anybody want them? Nice. And then like three people reply and you have to kind of pick which one's your favorite. You know, who has the influence over. <laughs> it's kind of like Game of Thrones, but on a low British level of who has biscuits and, and who who do you then deliver the biscuits to? But getting rid of biscuits, that's great. I thought you were going to say like old trainers or, you know, a soiled car seat. I mean that as well. But it, it's a classy street, you know. <laughs> so the update does not in fact affect data sharing with Facebook in regards to user chats or, or other profile information, WhatsApp has repeatedly clarified that it updates addresses in business chats and in the event a user converses with a company's service uh, platform through WhatsApp. So it's, it's mainly around that. But since 2016, WhatsApp has shared certain pieces of information with, with Facebook, including your phone number, unless you were one of the few users who you know, managed to catch the option to opt out of that. WhatsApp does not, however, look at people's chat messages or listen to their phone calls. WhatsApp conversations are end-to-end -end encrypted to protect the, against those abuses. We've covered stories in the past about WhatsApp and their end-to-end -end encryption and, and kind of you know, what Facebook is doing to slightly go around that type of stuff. This is really just about the, the changing of their, of their privacy policy and, and the fact that they're delaying it. 
yeah, the pop-up informing new users this change mentioned its partnership with Facebook. I wonder whether that surprised a lot of people. I know it surprises people with with Instagram being owned by Facebook, but people generally, I think, don't understand that that WhatsApp is owned by Facebook. Yeah, I think that's that's what happened. And what I found so interesting was how quickly everyone jumped ship. So like this pop-up came on and then within days, everyone left WhatsApp. You know, I think Signal saw like 7.5 million installs within four days in January. And Telegram, similar, like two services that offer a similar platform to WhatsApp. And it's just the way that the message was delivered and the fact that people were like, oh, they're doing something dodgy with my privacy. It's interesting to to see even like a positive message of, of privacy in the case of something like WhatsApp or, or similar always gets read as a negative, especially when it, it mentions the Facebook word. Anything Facebook and privacy together does seem to cause a mass exodus. But the company released a, a separate blog post this week uh, trying to clear up the confusion and it included a chart that specifies what information is protected and, and not shared when someone uses WhatsApp. I wonder how much that will actually help. So the piece of this story that I caught in my regular news consumption was the mass exodus of people and it really as as a software developer at a company that provides a service it's terrifying right to be like oh my god like a small misstep and like everybody just left <laughs> so there was a piece of like analysis here that i was doing to see what went wrong that message being pushed out to everyone and just being misconstrued that's heinous that's really something like they've got to be kicking themselves for that yeah one message and it just proves that effect of poor messaging so much confusion and people just give up on the entire company. Although it could have been the straw that broke the camel's back. That is very true. The update to this story is that WhatsApp started using its status messages, which are pretty much like, you know, stories from Instagram, to reassure users about the privacy. So they, they ran a kind of little ad campaign within their own app to stop people from leaving. Uh, so the next one is, uh, I'm going to read this as Emotet, but that just reminds me of the Mummy movies. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, Emotet Botnet taken down by international police swoop. This one was from the, the BBC. Uh, so police have seized thousands of computers running one of the most dangerous hacking networks worldwide. Uh, the Emotet network. I, I just, I keep reading it as Emotet. It's Emotet, isn't it? Is it? Is it Emotet? Oh, man. Oh, it might be Emotet. Oh, maybe it's Emotet. Yeah. Emotet? <laughs> it just sounds like I'm saying emote it. Emotet. Okay, hang on. Here's the deal. Every time you read it, put the emphasis on a different syllable. It'll be fine. <laughs> okay. okay, just do that. The E-Motet network obtains access to victims' computers via malicious email attachments and then sells it to criminals who then install more dangerous malware. So they kind of get their foot in the door and then, you know, sell the, the door opener. Europol called it one of the most significant botnets of the past decade and one of the main door openers for computer systems worldwide. Once this unauthorized access was established these were sold to other top level criminal gangs uh, to deploy further illicit activities such as data theft and, and extortion through ransomware it was initially a banking trojan uh, designed to spy on victims computers and, and steal login details victims would receive a, an apparently important word document marked for their attention when opened it would ask them to enable macros which you know, we all know insecurity in is a terrible thing to do, but most people see it as a seemingly innocent feature built into Microsoft Word. That feature can actually open up the computer pretty much in every access to the attackers. So Lotum Finkelstein, I'm, I'm not making that name up. No. Oh my God, I love it. Great name. Of, of Checkpoint Software said it had been tracking Emotet for years. 
the most successful and prevalent malware of 2020 by a long way, he said. It had, over the course of the year, sent phishing emails with more than 150,000 different subject lines and 100,000 file names for the attachments. That is some A-B testing right there. That's terrifying. It constantly adjusted its phishing emails to victims' interests and global events. Finkelstein said the takedown would protect the public from cyber threats that had caused losses of millions, if not more, dollars. Yeah, I mean, terrifying that these things exist in kind of the physical world in computers in a basement somewhere running this type of thing. Botnets to me always seem like a almost fictional, terrifying thing. I find it really hard to imagine. When I think about this, I'm like, am I imagining thousands of laptops all in the same room, like some kind of factory of devices all all wired up to the hacking network? But am I wrong about that? Because they said that there's police from the UK, EU, US and Canada. Like, does it mean that their devices were all over the world? I mean, yeah, it was everywhere, right? Netherlands, France, Canada, UK, Germany, Lithuania, US and Ukraine. I have to think that there were some rooms with some computers. These things infect like normal servers, right? So it's not like they own the servers and have them all in one room. It's more that they they use some computers that infect other larger groups of computers. And the infected machines are victims themselves. But at this scale, there is still a huge number of computers owned by the, the criminals that have to be located somewhere. So yeah, it's a good dent, I think, in malware. The infrastructure that was used by Emotet involved several hundreds of servers located across the world, all of these having different functionalities in order to manage the computers of the infected victims, to spread to new ones, to serve other criminal groups, and to ultimately make the network more resilient against takedown attempts. To severely disrupt the Emotet infrastructure, law enforcement teamed up together to create an effective operational strategy. It resulted in this week's action whereby law enforcement and judicial authorities gained control of the infrastructure and took it down from the inside. The infected machines of victims have been redirected toward this law enforcement controlled infrastructure. This is a unique and new approach to effectively disrupt the activities of the facilitators of the cybercrime. So that was the piece of this that I was confused about is to me, a botnet is Mm self-perpetuating. But in this case, it sounds like they did have centralized servers that were controlling the bots where the malware had been installed. And so by disrupting those, they were able to sort of redirect those infected computers to government or or law enforcement controlled servers instead. That's fascinating. It's really neat good for them. Joining us on the show today for this week at 1Password is Rick Fillion. Rick is VP of Engineering for 1Password.com, and he is here today to talk about some exciting new integrations for the admin console and what that might mean for the future. Hey, Rick, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's been a while. It has been a hot minute. Uh, (laughs) So it's Tuesday here. How's your week been so far? (laughs) Uh, The week's been awesome, Uh, and we're... Just getting ready to push to production the new, what we're calling the integration hub. Oh, very, very cool. Okay, so obviously I've been tracking this internally for a while now. Can you tell us a little bit more about 1Password integrations, what they are, and how someone can use them? Sure. So uh, we've supported various forms of integrations with 1Password with third-party services for a while now. And this is really the next step in helping users understand that we do this and guiding them into you know, making it happen more easily. And so the new integration section that'll appear in the sidebar, users can click that and it'll list the types of things that they can integrate into 1Password. And so you've got things like team-wide MFA settings through Duo or Slack. So you can get notifications or alerts of interesting events on your on your system. And then we've got 
provisioning. So we do automated provisioning through the skim protocol. And the new integration section has a wonderful new guide to help users get set up with automated provisioning so that you can get your whole team using 1Password seamlessly. And then lastly, we have the command line tool. So the command line tool is more of the open-ended, you know, do what you want with it because it supports most of the features that you can administer on the web. You can also do via the command line. And companies have made great use of this. And we keep getting emails from companies, you know, just showing off what it is that they built. And we love getting these emails. So we want more companies to know that, hey, this is possible. That's really neat. I love the story around the command line tool. Like it's such a nerdy tool that allows people to to do so many cool things with with one password. And you you touched on that a little bit. First of all, it's not just for businesses. Like anyone with a one password account can download and use the command line tool, right? Exactly. Yes. It works all the way down to uh, individual accounts. So what kinds of things have people actually done with this? Like I have to imagine it enables some sort of automation, like people can script it and do other things, right? Yeah. So we initially built it with automation of administrative tasks in mind. But when you start talking about administration of administrative tasks, automation of administrative tasks, should I say? It has to be open-ended, and so we can't think of every possibility. And so we try to make it as open-ended as possible, but companies keep surprising us and going beyond what we, we had in mind. Uh, we were just talking to a company not too long ago who were using this to help run some of their internal tools where they have all of the shared usernames and passwords that they need for all of their customers. And when one of their employees needs one of these credentials, they hit one of their internal tools, which hits one of their servers, this runs the CLI, pulls it out of one password and delivers it to their employee. And so it's a good way of integrating it with you know, a tool of, of that nature. We have some companies using it to do more of the automated provisioning that you can't uh, normally do via skin protocol where they have their internal systems and as soon as a user is added to a group in their internal system, it calls into the command line tool and adds the user to the group. Maybe it adds it to a vault. They just make sure that 1Password follows along with their internal tools. That's really neat. And one of the ones that I remember seeing not too long after the command line tool came out, and this was before, obviously, we had announced that we were building a 1Password client for Linux, is that someone had actually embarked on wrapping the command line tool in a user interface for the purpose of having a Linux app as well, right? Yeah, so there's been quite a few of those, actually. I've seen like uh, some like NCurses-based UIs that wrap with the, the command line tool. I've seen some, some actual GUIs. It's really neat to see what people are doing. There's all sorts of wrappers around it. Like I said, we built it to be open-ended. And so I, I really like the fact that it does make all this stuff possible. Yeah, that's super cool. The other one I wanted to talk about a little bit was our Slack integration. Now, we have some some accounts that we've set up internally for the purposes of testing different types of content that people store in their 1Password accounts. And I actually recently integrated that in with our Slack instance so that when someone new joins the company, I get notified that there's a pending confirmation of their account and stuff like that. And I've loved that. What other types of things can you do with Slack in 1Password? Yeah, so basically there's two big types of events. Uh, so alerts and notifications. Notifications is more of, hey, something happened. You're not necessarily expected to do anything about it. And then alerts is, hey, you know, you should go and take care of this. So users who need confirmation or they've started recovery and you need to complete their recovery. And the Slack integration is, is really slick in that way. We use it internally ourselves all the time because our, our development team here is, is getting really large. And 
there's multiple of us who need to know when somebody joins one of our test accounts and they need to be confirmed. But what I, I love the most out of it is once one of us confirms it, if you go confirm them, then the Slack message actually gets updated to say, hey, they needed confirmation and now Rue confirmed them. So now I don't need to go and do that same work. And so we see a lot of companies wanting to use this for their help desk and they run all of the recovery and general confirmation through their help desk. And it really helps them manage one password more seamlessly across a team. Yeah, it's it's great. It's really slick. I like it a lot. And I would say that even if I didn't work here. So obviously we've, we're, we're launching the integration section of onepassword.com and, and your onepassword.com account with a number of things that we've already built. But I also know that we have some things in the works. So what sorts of integrations are we looking to add in the future? As you know, we are pretty tight-lipped when it comes to, to future things. But here's what I think I, I can say safely. So the new integration section I mentioned has a new setup flow for automated provisioning. And the new setup flow is more than just a pretty UI. Even though from a user's perspective, it might sort of seem that way. Under the hood, we actually completely changed how the what used to be called the provision manager user account is created it used to be a regular old you know one password account and that worked uh, but we've re redone things here so that one password now officially has you know what is more commonly called service accounts out there now service accounts are accounts that belong to a process not to a user so they don't have things like an email address or a secret key or even a master password they just have a user identifier and they have a token. And so this new service account is what's going to be backing automated provisioning going forward. And as you can imagine, that's going to open up all sorts of really interesting possibilities for us uh, where you, know, you would want to use one password in a setting where it's not appropriate to have a master password uh, and have to sort of associate a human to it. So we think it's there's a really bright future for using 1Password in ways that uh, aren't the, the normal uh, how you use 1Password today. I really want to talk about that more, but we're going to wait. We're going to set that one there for now because there's, gosh, there's so much cool stuff coming down the pipe. So hopefully that's a good enough tease. So I'm hoping that there's some people out there listening to this that are thinking, well, I have a cool service that does a cool thing that I think might even be a good fit to work with 1Password. Is there any avenue that we can send people down that to either get in touch or is there any public documentation we have available? Like how does how does one go about integrating with 1Password in a way that may end up showing up on the integration section of an account? Probably the best way is to, to reach out to us uh, via the support team. Anytime somebody does something really interesting with uh, whether it be the command line tool or has a really interesting idea for a possible integration, that ends up reaching one of my development teams. So you can just literally email support at onepassword.com and the message will get through to us. We'd love to talk to you about either a thing you've already built or a thing you would love for us to consider uh, working with you on. There's so much that we could do and we would love to see OnePassword integrate with more things out there. Nice. So, you know, you and I obviously came up through the ranks as developers. So I can, I think I can safely ask you this one. What's been your favorite part about building this and creating this integration section? I think my favorite part has been, like I mentioned, like this is really about taking our features we already had, but we're putting them and placing them in, a, in an area that's more discoverable and helping the user understand, like putting them in context. But from a development perspective, what has been really fun for me to see is that the development of this new integration section 
has actually required, I'm going to say, four of my teams to work together to make this happen. So we have to coordinate work across four teams. And that part has been super exciting for me to see, like the different people just sort of working together and figuring out who's responsible for what and working well together. They've been working aggressively at this over the last couple of months. And there's a whole pile more we're going to be releasing over the coming weeks and months ahead here. But this has been a huge team effort. And that's the part that really, you know, gives me a, the, the biggest smile. Yeah, it's something that we've been pushing for a lot internally as we've been building some of our new products and stuff is to have more inter-team communication and more inter-team collaboration and stuff like that. So it's great to hear. I know that's something I've been doing on the client side. It's it's really cool to hear that that's something that you've had some success with on the server side as well. That's really neat. So bringing it home here is something that we always like to ask people when we have internal interviews like this. Everyone says that they love working here. What's your favorite part about working at 1Password? Definitely working with you, Rue. That's the right answer. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a good night. <laughs> so... I think it's the the variety for me. It's that month to month, the things we work on can change dramatically uh, and just the different types of things. We just have so many really interesting challenges technically or architecturally or, you know, look at it from all sorts of different facets. It really for forces me to sort of always be on my toes. Uh, and I, it's, I love the challenge. Not knowing every day, what am I walking into and what am I going to be challenged with today? That, I think, is my, my favorite part of working here. Well said. Excellent, Rick. Thank you so much for coming. If people wanted to find out more about you or follow you online, uh, where should they go? Yeah, so uh, really, uh, the only social media outlet I have is Twitter. So you can reach me at Rick Fillion on Twitter, where you can watch me tweet about once a month, typically about something completely unrelated technology. Uh, so, <laughs> but uh, yes, that's probably the best way of finding me online. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Rick. All right, now if we dive into the listener portion of the show uh, at hashtag AskOnePassword. Kat, do you want to you want to talk about some of the things that people have, have written to us on Twitter or, or in other places? Yeah, absolutely. So Dennis sent us an email to say, love the podcast. Recently, the personal data of thousands of people in the Netherlands who took a COVID-19 test has been stolen and sold. Might be something worth discussing. Yeah, that's not great. This is not the first COVID scam I've heard, though. That is true, yeah. I, I mean, before... You know, lockdown one that feels like it was at least three Back to the Future movies away. That was when places that you would go out to, uh, this foreign concept, would ask for your details so track and trace could work. Because it was about scanning when you went into like a pub or a cafe or... I, I think I did it twice. Yeah. But I recently heard another COVID-19 scam here in the UK where people were being falsely contacted by phone and by email about getting their vaccinations. So like... Oh my goodness, I had one of these. So my mobile phone number made it out into the world somehow. And uh, I got a text saying that uh, my local doctors, it was getting to four o'clock and they had taken some, some vaccines out of the cabinet and of course, you cannot refreeze one of the, the the vaccine variants. So that they were they were open, and it was first come first serve. And I needed to pay an admin fee of a hundred pounds, and they would fast track it. Yeah, I didn't, of course, click the link. But man, I can imagine. I, I mean, I, I knew it was a scam, and I wanted to click it. I think many did because that made it into BBC News. Yeah, I mean, talk about picking your moments and taking on the the vulnerabilities of the world. It does seem to be, yeah, an ongoing trend. Yeah, so personal data, you know, in the, in the Netherlands, personal data contains name, address, social security number, email address, and phone number. 
Uh, some were sold in big bundles, others uh, by order, uh, like you know, famous people or demographics. It was used by IT registration systems. Oh my goodness! Yeah, this is this was not good. No, and I feel like it's gonna kind of play repeat in different countries if we don't allow better protections of this kind of thing. It's frightening to think of your data in the hands of these criminals. Like they're saying criminals actively make contact with their employees, even though they were screened and some of them work for 11 euro per hour on average. Sometimes these criminals not only pay for the data, but also log in accounts. So yeah, pretty frightening. Yeah, I, I think we're only kind of starting to see the the kind of effects of what this could mean right? Like this information is not always used instantly. A lot of people kind of sit on it. And then when there is an awful use case for it, then it then it pops up. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, anyone out there listening, you can also write into the show using hashtag AskOnePassword on Twitter or email uh, media at OnePassword.com. Or you can review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. That's very good. We always forget to tell people to uh, to review the podcasts. Yep. The funnier, the better, I think, in, in terms of reviews. Hopefully you don't get many that sort of deconstruct your confidence. Uh, I think every comment deconstructs my confidence <laughs> to do this a little bit. But yeah. <laughs> awesome. Now it is time for Play Your Passwords Right. Now, I'm a bit of a beginner to this game, although I have, um, of course, heard you playing it on some of the other episodes. But I'm going to get Rue to introduce it, and then I'm going to give it a go at trying to host the game. Yeah, so Play Your Passwords Right, it's, it's the it's the new game craze that is swiffering the nation. Play Your Passwords Right is where we go to haveibeenpwned.com with a list of words that we think people may have used as their password, and then we try to decide if each word that we're listing out has been exposed uh, more times or less times than the word before it as driven by data from Have I Been Pwned, which records data breaches worldwide. So uh, this week, Cat is indeed going to host for us, and we are going to be going through a list of gaming words. Uh, that's most likely video games. Maybe there's going to be some board games thrown in here. I'm going to assume video games, though, knowing Anna, that's that's where her head went. And uh, yeah, so Kat, what is the first word and how many times has it been exposed in a data breach? The first word is Uncharted. What a game. Oh, God, what a great series. And it has been exposed 1,175 times. That's criminally low in in my estimation. More people should be using that as a... No, no, wait, sorry. This is not a popularity indicator, though. We found that before, right? Yes, exactly. As evidence... You know what? Never mind. As evidenced by last week's game where Sarah completely trounced me with some inscrutable logic, uh, I'm not going to attempt to prescribe any... Any logic to this. <laughs> All right, so the next word then, Kat, with, without telling us the number. The next word is Skyrim. <laughs> so is that, do you think that password has been exposed higher or lower number of times than Uncharted? I think it's got to be higher. <sighs> it's lower. I, I, I mean, I am going popularity in games, so. <laughs> so. It's lower. I'm saying lower. So Rue's saying lower. Matt, you're saying higher the answer is higher 5295 that's uh that's one point for me then in that document right yeah i understand how to keep score (laughs) all right what's next the next word is witcher so as compared to skyrim that's got to be coming back to netflix soon right God, that that first season was so good i want to rewatch it oh yep i think i'm going to before the second one comes out oh henry cavill 
I mean, unreal. Yep, fantastic. When, <laughs> Sorry, what? what? But, <laughs> I was like, when would be a good time to admit I have no idea what you're oh. talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you need to go on Netflix and watch uh, and watch Witcher. Yeah, um, I think that this is going to be higher because it's a, it's a more common word. Higher than five thousand two hundred ninety-five. It's definitely higher. Yeah, <laughs> you, you go in with it with such. <laughs> <laughs> it will be high. <laughs> and you are incorrect, unfortunately. Witcher has been exposed 2,070 times. I would like to not play this game anymore. I've decided I'm done playing player passwords, right? <laughs> I mean, we, we did agree when we started playing games on each one that we would change the game each series. So now, now we're on to our sixth series yeah uh, which is our sixth set of 10 episodes uh and, and we did not change it so i'm thinking that we like the fact that this tortures you a bit i, I don't like it though <laughs> <laughs> all right what's the next one the next one is overwatch oh instantly higher yeah 100 percent, definitely higher yeah there's a lot of people that play overwatch it will absolutely it's gonna it's gonna this is gonna be in the in like the hundred thousand range it'll be it, you know this will be a six figure <laughs> I mean- a six-figure, exp- yeah. Yep, go ahead. I am sorry to defloat your boat. <laughs> it's lower. Come on! 149. 149 people. Uh, um, mm. <laughs> that just makes no sense. All right, the next word in player passwords, right, is Guitar Hero. Higher or lower than 149? I, I mean, I'm... Uh, it's lower. I'm going to say higher. I'm going lower. Now, this is not just me playing the game. There's a little bit of me playing Anna, okay? It's... It's... Lower. Incorrect. It's higher. Son of a... 8,377. <laughs> I, I got a point there, Ruby. I did say hi. That is the first and only game in this whole list that I've actually played. <laughs> it's a good game. I don't think I have. Truly. You had to buy like a little plastic guitar with buttons on it, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that came out before you were born. So, <laughs> no, it yeah. didn't. All right. What's the next one? Come on. Next up, we have The Sims. Oh, I put some time into this. 8,300 is quite high though, isn't it? I'm going lower. I'm going lower. I'm locking in lower. Higher. 10,714. <laughs> I just should choose the opposite to you each time. It's just, it, listen, new game is, uh, we're just going to see how many how many uh, episodes in a row Rue can score zero is what we're going to do. Are you, are you on zero? See, I told you I wouldn't be able to keep score. You could you could just be making it up and you'd probably get away with it. That's the new game. Okay. Tomb Raider, higher or lower than The Sims? Right, what do you reckon, Ru? <laughs> no, screw you, I'm not going first. No, it's it's higher. Tomb Raider is higher. I'm going lower. <laughs> I think I'm wrong here. Lower! <laughs> oh my goodness! 6,816. This is the worst. I, I How is it 3-0? This is... I want to blame Sarah somehow. Like, I want to bring this back to, like, like she broke me and I can't recover. <laughs> Oh dear. Right, next up. All right. We've got left for dead. Bear in mind this is the first password with a number Ooh. in it. Left for dead. I think it's going to be higher. I think people people are like think they're smart, right? Like, oh, left for dead. That's that I I can remember that and it's a, got a number in it. I'm going higher. What are you saying, Rue? Or have you just gone silent on us? <sighs> Protest. <laughs> gone to sleep he's gone back to bed no <laughs> stop i uh i want to say higher but i'm gonna say lower i'm going i'm locking in lower boom it's higher at sixteen thousand four hundred and sixty-three. that's the highest of the day <laughs> the brilliant thing there is 
I feel like what you did there was go, I believe it's it's higher. So I'm going to go against myself That's and correct. say lower <laughs> yeah. and, and to try and trick myself. And you still got it wrong. Oh, you double bluffed yourself. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have Halo. Do we think it's higher or lower than Left for Dead? That's too short of a word for most services, so I'm going lower. Interesting. I, I think that we've learned that password length doesn't actually matter in this game. I'm going higher. And the answer is lower, 13,855. That's still mm-hmm. pretty high, though, in comparison with a lot of the others it is. we've had today. Uh, Anna is so good at the ordering of these as well. <laughs> just, <laughs> just building you up to cut you down. Yeah, she knows how to push the buttons. Okay, next one, we have Destiny. Do we think it's higher or lower than Halo at 13,855. That's higher. Yeah, I think I'm going to go higher on that one as well. It's a word in its own right, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And a name. I, I mean, I wasn't going to go there, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> higher. Oh my goodness. Much, much higher. Wow. Th- 135,597. Wait, do I, did I get a point? Did I say higher? You got a point, Rue. <gasps> yes, Rue. All right, we're back. You guessed the one that was like the biggest... The- <laughs> The biggest amount. We're back. Can we just throw a spanner in the proceeds and say the winner of the next one wins the whole thing? No, we can't do that. (laughs) I I mean, no, because I'm like seven ahead. (laughs) Yeah, Matt's like seven ahead. I I appreciate you attempting to try and give me a win. Oh, but it's so much more fun when you do that kind of thing. Okay. I feel like you're going to be the worst to play board games with. Yeah, I I am. (laughs) Just the next point wins. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Sonic is the next word. Uh, Sonic is. That's higher yet than Destiny. I I think that's higher yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's an old franchise. This is the one where like it it like spikes the ball. Like it's so it's it's going to be huge, right? It's going to be a ton. So this is definitely higher, uh, and it's going to be higher by a lot. Lower twenty thousand seven hundred and sixty nine. I think the most infuriating thing about this game is that it makes absolutely no sense. I think so too. Yeah. I keep trying to bring logic to it and, and other it's what a roller coaster. I should really just flip a coin. It really does shake kind of my like I feel like for my job I have a decent understanding of what humans do, but I really don't. <laughs> no, exactly. Like this this is a bad way to start the day. My confidence in the rest of my decisions that I make today is completely And dissolved. look, I've got five more points than you, so like, I, I can't imagine what you're feeling right now. Uh-huh. I don't think you should base your life successes around your performance and play your passwords right. <laughs> so we have way out in front with seven versus one, Matt, the winner of today's play your passwords right. I'm happy with that one. Although uh, shaken overall, I think. So uh, I'm, I'm going to say good game, Matt. I've been trying to be a good role model for my six-year-old who has been losing his mind when his sister beats him at Mario Kart. So, oh, best game. So good game, Matt. I, I look forward to our next match when maybe I'll win that one. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> all right. I think that's all we've got time for. So love you, Cat. Love you, Rue. I love you both. This was fun, Cat. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been great. Love you both. Love you both.